goodness really will change the world. And I believe that from the core of my soul. If we can find the kindness in each other, if we can find the good in each other, if we can recognize the dignity of humanity, I think the world's going to be better. At least our little corner of the world will be better because we're doing something. Hello everyone. I hope you all had a wonderful summer. And despite the heartache that the start of a new school year can bring, I hope you're all happy to hear that we are back with the Radio DePaul podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Breedlove, here with episode 59, A New Perspective. Personally, I'm glad summer's over. There were a lot of unfortunate things that happened. From North Korea testing nuclear missiles aimed directly at our homeland, to three back-to-back devastating hurricanes effectively dismantling the Gulf area, to wildfires engulfing the entire West Coast. However, one of the arguably most concerning things that happened this summer had to be Charlottesville, Virginia, trying to recreate history in the worst possible way. Our first story is a recap of the Nazi rally that took place in Charlottesville about a month ago. I'm gonna let Amy Doe take it away. It was a weekend of street battles and stark displays of racism. Neo-Nazis and white nationalists held a surprise torchlight march on Friday night. Jews will not replace us! Jews will not replace us! Charlottesville was met with a protest of over 100 Nazis protesting the takedown of a Confederate monument. This event was extremely startling and concerning to not only the regular folks of Charlottesville, but to people across America. Fear and hate have been given license in our country. Violence, uh, racialized violence has been given permission in this country and we are here to stand for love. It's not what we love and it feels, you know, like abuse. It feels like our wonderful city is being abused. Over 30 people were injured over the course of two days due to the fact that some of the Nazis were armed. Here's what Professor Cornell West saw. You had a number of the courageous students of all colors at the University of Virginia who were protesting against the neo-fascists themselves. And, according to West, riot police did little to intervene. The police, for the most part, pulled back. Uh, the next day, for example, although the 20 of us who were standing, many of them clergy, uh, we would have been crushed like cockroaches if it were not for the anarchists and the anti-fascists who approached over 300, 350 anti-fascists. We just had 20, and we singing this little light of mine. You know what I mean? So that the, the, Antifa the, meaning anti-fascist. The anti-fascist and, and the crucial role the anarchists because they saved our lives. Actually, we would have been completely uh, crushed, and and I'll never forget that. President Trump had a very interesting response to all of this happening. He waited two days to release this press statement. Racism is evil, and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans. And we want to see what we're doing wrong as a country where things like this can happen. He then followed up his statement with this off-script message. Okay, what about the alt-left that came charging at me? Excuse me. What about the alt-left that came charging at the, as you say, the alt-right? Do they have any semblance of guilt? This is Senator Rubin's statement. Let me 
ask you this. What about the fact they came charging, that they came charging with clubs in their hands, swinging clubs? Do they have any problem? I think they do. Sorry. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that was a horrible, horrible day. Wait a minute. I'm not finished. I'm not finished, fake news. That was a horrible day. Mr. President, are you putting what you're calling the alt-left and white supremacists on the same moral plane? I'm not putting anybody on a moral plane. What I'm saying is this. You had a group on one side and you had a group on the other, and they came at each other with clubs, and it was vicious, and it was horrible, and it was a horrible thing to watch. But there is another side. There was a group on this side, you can call them the left, you've just called them the left, that came violently attacking the other group. So you can say what you want, but that's the way it is. This outburst stirred up a lot of controversy and sparked outrage from Democrats and Republicans alike. Republican presidential nominee Mitt Romney tweeted, No, not the same. One side is racist, bigoted Nazi. The other opposes racism and bigotry. Morally different universes, unquote. This may be concerning to a lot of you. Knowing that Nazis and white supremacists aren't a thing of the past is destabilizing and can feel downright threatening. It begs the questions, will this happen again? Who could be supporting this movement? What can I do to prevent this from happening? Lecturer Mark Bray from Dartmouth College has been asking the same types of questions, and here is his best answer. As we saw, by confronting the organized street presence in Charlottesville, this, this created the question of just how bad these people are. Because you, you played earlier, Mitt Romney condemned the fact that there could be uh, 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 blame ascribed to both sides. Well, prior to Charlottesville, that was the dominant media narrative. Most mainstream media was saying, uh, oh, well, we have, quote unquote, violence on both sides hands up, who's to say who's right or wrong? But by confronting this, by putting it in the spotlight, by shining a light on what these people really think, it's shifted the public discourse and, and pushed back the ability of some of these alt-right uh, figures to try and cloak their fascism. So the question is, okay, if you don't think that it's appropriate to physically confront and to stand in front of neo-Nazis who are trying to organize for another genocide now, do you do it after someone has died as they, as they just did? Do you do it after a dozen people have died? Do you do it once they're at the, at the footsteps of, of power? At what point, at what point do you say enough is enough? The anti-fascist movement has a global history that stretches back over uh, about a century. You can trace them to Italian opposition to Mussolini's black shirts, uh, German opposition to Hitler's brown shirts, uh, anti-fascists from around the world who traveled to Spain to fight in the Spanish Civil War. The way people understand fascism or the way they've been taught about it is generally exclusively in terms of regimes. So the, the thought goes, as long as we have parliamentary government, uh, we're safe. But we can look back to the historical examples of, of Italy and Germany and see that, uh, unfortunately, parliamentary government was insufficient to prevent the stop, uh, to prevent the rise of fascism and Nazism and actually provided a red carpet to their advance. Antifa is really only one faction of a larger movement against white supremacy that dates back centuries and includes a whole number of, uh, there are a whole number of groups that fight against similar foes, uh, sometimes using the same methods that aren't necessarily anti-fascist. So it's important not to subsume the entire anti-racist movement within this sort of one category. Clearly, we can see that rational discourse and debate was insufficient. Clearly, we can see that the mechanisms of parli parliamentary government were insufficient. We need to be able to come up with a way to say, how can we make sure never again? Anti-fascists argue that fascism must be nipped in the bud from the beginning, that any kind of organizing needs to be confronted and, and, and responded to, even if 
you know, people are, are spending most of their time on Twitter making jokes, it's still very serious and needs to be confronted. If not me, who? If not now, when? People throughout history have asked themselves this question. Maybe it's our turn. Above all else, we must remember this truth. No matter our color, creed, religion, or political party, we are all Americans first. We love our country. We love our God. We love our flag. We're proud of our country. We're proud of who we are. So we want to get the situation straightened out in Charlottesville. We must love each other, respect each other, and cherish our history and our future together. That was Amy Doe, a new producer here at the podcast. You'll be hearing a lot more of her and others as we continue on through this year. Our next segment may help answer the specific question posed earlier. What can I do to help? Recently, you may have noticed posters hanging up all around DePaul, saying things like, DePaul says no to hate, or DePaul, dignity for all. These are all a part of a new movement, started by the Office of Religious Diversity, in effort to decrease the hostility that has been felt on campus before. This all started in the form of a rally that took place in front of the student center during the first week of school. I got the lovely opportunity to sit down with Chaplain Diane Dardan, who you may know as the official dorm chaplain, but she is also a large part of what makes the Office of Religious Diversity run smoothly. And she's one of the founders of DePaul Dignity for All. So over the summer, it seemed like things were exploding throughout the country and lots of conversations were being had on this campus about what do you think our Muslim students need? What do you think our Jewish students need? What do our black students need to feel safe, to feel supported? When Charlottesville exploded, our Jewish community was feeling very, very targeted. And Matthew Charney, our Jewish life coordinator, came in one morning they said, I know what we need. We need to stand up as a community and tell the world that this school does not hate, that we are Vincentian, we uphold the dignity of all, and this needs to be our message to all of our students. And it doesn't matter who they are and what their, ide their ideology is, this needs to be our message. So we started chatting, well, well, what would that look like? It would look like a rally. And that's how the whole idea of a Dignity for All or a Dignity Rally was birthed. The purpose really for the rally was to start the year off on a note of hopefulness and kindness. And it seemed like the best message that we could give to the community based on that goal was that Vincentian ideal that we uphold the dignity of every single human being. So Dignity for All, or DePaul Says No to Hate, started with this rally. And it was really exciting to put something like that together because we didn't have an agenda necessarily 
that said, we're going to say no to the Nazis, the neo-Nazis, and we're going to say no to this group and no to that group. But instead, it was more of an agenda of, you know, DePaul stands against people who hate. And if, if people hate just because you have a particular sexual orientation or race or ethnicity or legal status or whatever, this school says no. That's not who we are. For those who weren't with us last year, our campus was rife with political tension. Protests happen pretty regularly around campus, making everything particularly hostile. Everywhere I turned last year, I couldn't seem to get away from all the angry protests, whether they were run by DePaul students or not. It's a nice change of pace to see this kind of thing pop up in lieu of all the hatred. So in a way, it's a movement that we hope will continue to be upheld throughout the year. We're going to continue to use our DePaul Dignity for All and our DePaul Says No to Hate. We're going to use those voices throughout the year. For instance, if there's a, let's say there's a protest on campus against a particular group, I'm hoping, we're hoping, our university ministry staff is hoping that we would be able to engage students so that they would have a counter voice to that. And I know that throughout the summer there have been counter protests and the most effective ones have been voices not of hate and and just, you know, hitting heads and, and bringing out the batons and the gases and throwing rocks and stuff, but the most effective counter protests that I've seen were those that were at a different place with an entirely different agenda. And it was it was not negating the fact that something else is happening in another part of the world, but it was simply saying we recognize that that's happening and that's not us. So throughout the year, we're gonna have DePaul Dignity for All signs up. We're gonna have pins and stickers out there. If things go sideways on campus and there are some things that are happening in the world that just don't seem to resonate with our Vincentian sense of rightness, in the world, then we'll bring out the Dignity for All campaign and do another rally. Imagine if the whole world, imagine if every human being looked at each other and said, I don't care if our ideology is different. I don't care that you are are doing things that just rub against my soul. But I'm going to recognize in you the fact that you're humanity and, and you deserve that recognition as much as I do. Imagine if we actually looked at each other as human beings instead of objectifying people as, as mongers of hatred and, and people who are against us. What if we actually looked at everybody as being for us? I feel like we get paralyzed because there's so much going on and it seems so just awful that there's a sense of I want to do something but I don't know what to do so I'm just going to sit here and curl up in my fetal position and maybe, maybe I'll move past that. But um, I think if we can start the year with a sense that there is something I can do and I can be a good person, I can purport goodness, I can lift up dignity for all, then, then we've, we've made a difference. Regardless of what turmoil is going on in the country, 
University Ministry wants all of you to know that you can make a difference. If you want to get involved with DePaul Dignity for All, be sure to stop by the Office of Religious Diversity to see what you can do to help. They have many, many posters and stickers that they'd be more than happy to give out. This episode was written and produced by Amy Doe and myself, Sarah Breedlove, and we'd like to extend a huge thank you to Chaplain Diane Dardon. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on SoundCloud and iTunes. It really helps us out. However, if you still want more content and you're hungry for comedy, be sure to tune in to Mistake and Eggs, where humor is served sunny side up. You can find that on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and the Radio DePaul app. Once again, I'm Sarah Breedlove, and thank you for listening to the Radio DePaul podcast.